Welcome to Winning with Connections, the WWC Global Podcast. President Biden has declared November the National Veterans and Military Families Month. And so in recognition of this month, we join Jose Jimenez, who's a former WWC Global employee, as he builds out his brand new government contracting firm for himself. So Jose has been on and off and in and out of WWC and the world of WWC for how many years, Jose? Well, we I think we I started in 2015. That was the, when I actually joined at uh, in Sigonella. So was it 2015 feels like a lot longer than that. I don't know. I maybe it's just because I'm old. But you started in Sigonella doing kind of a skunk works project, right? Right. Yeah. So we were working for working for NAPSUP and it was a it was a combination of different things. So we're looking at uh, we're doing a little bit of SAP. We're doing a little bit of dashboards. And it was actually kind of kind of interesting because we we're putting new new information that could be used across the enterprise for NAPSUP. So mm-hmm. anybody could know where, where the metrics were for for the different uh, within the command. So it was it was really neat. I, I really enjoyed that. And uh, it gave me a, a little bit of opportunity to work on my Excel skills and my SAP skills. So it was it was pretty good. That's awesome. And then you came back from SIG. And you ended up back with us again. You, there was there was a gap in there for a little while, I think. I'm trying to remember what kind of your history. You 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 come back and and we've been talking on and off for years. You you did at least two contracts with us. Exactly. So what happened was that at that time we had uh, we had Hawk, yeah. and Lara was um, she was active duty as a veterinarian for the army. So I decided to to stay at home with him. Which you know, it was it was one of the the best experience. It was it was hard to to leave work, but it was one of the best experiences that I've ever had. Just staying at home, taking care of Hawk, and I think that that really helped us also have a really really good connection that we still have. Um, and the fact that Hawk is completely fluent in Spanish too is is very important for us. That's my son, Hawk. Right, right. I remember. It's funny. You and I had a conversation later. I was so impressed that you were not even willing to do that because it wasn't a willingness. It was like eager, but we had a conversation about what that was going to mean for kind of career progression for you. And I love that you were able to do that, that you were excited to do that. And then it it turned out to be positive both for your career and for, and for your family life as well. And, and for Lara's career. Definitely. Definitely. And then, and I was very, very, you know, grateful that that um, WWC was, you know, they they were they allowed me to do that. And then later on, when we moved to Washington D.C., that's when I went to the second that second contract, which yeah. was with SNM, and that was a very positive experience as well. Yeah, and you were doing the business process reengineering work across the Navy at the undersecretary level, which was a super cool contract that I was really excited to to have you on because I think that was exceedingly helpful for them to have someone with with your background. So talk to me a little bit about your background because it is an interesting background. Sure. Yeah. So it is a little bit different. So I was born and raised in Costa Rica. So a very small country that when I when I first came to the to the US in 1997, a lot of people confused with Puerto Rico. 
and now is very well known. So I grew up there in 1997. I actually like, received an, a scholarship to go to the United States Military Academy. So I was very, very lucky. I worked, I worked really hard to get that, but I, I felt really lucky to be able to be there. And I essentially did everything that my classmates did, right? So from 97 to 2001, I was a cadet, did all the, you know, neat stuff like jumping out of planes and mm-hmm. to ride in tanks and all, all that. But after that, after my, my graduation in 2001, I didn't have a commitment to go to the army in Costa Rica because Costa Rica has no, no army. So my dream was actually to go into the, the U.S. Army, find, find a way to do that and be there with my with my classmates. But uh, but that didn't happen. So I was kind of, you know, left to do what, what I wanted. So I, I ended up working for a, for a consulting company at the time. And then 9-11 happened and I wanted to even more now I wanted to go into the military. And I, you know, I, I wrote and asked everybody to see if, if I could do it, but it was impossible, especially with with 9/11, because uh, for foreign nationals, it was it was very very difficult at that time, so very frustrating. But then I had met Lara, my wife, at West Point, and uh, she graduated in 2002, so we got married, and then she became an officer in the army, so she was active duty in transportation corps in the army, and I actually ended up teaching teaching physics, which is one of my, my favorite subjects at a high school down in uh, Hampton Roads. So that was that was very interesting. But for the for the longest time, I, you know, I wanted to be in the army. I wanted to do something, but it didn't happen. Although I was very proud to be a military spouse and uh, be able to support to support Lara throughout. Mm-hmm. So later on in uh, 2010, you know, fast forward a, a little bit. I was working on my PhD and my master's in public health at Virginia Tech. And I decided, you know, I already obtained my citizenship and I decided that it was time to do something. So I decided to go into the recruiter's office and sign up to enlist in the Army. So I became a a specialist in the Army in E4. And I was very, very proud of that because I finally was able to to wear the uniform. So I became a trainer for cadets. So I was actually going to to different locations, different bases to train train cadets on their basic skills that they need to have, like you know, chemical warfare and you know, marksmanship and things like that. So it was a very interesting experience. But I really did want to get my my commission. So at the time, my classmates were senior captains becoming majors. Mm-hmm. And I was uh, I was enlisted. I was an E4, which uh, for me for me I was I was just happy to wear the uniform. So I was that I was, was with a PhD. Yeah, yeah. I was I was finishing at that time. Yes. Yeah. Just just pointing that out. Okay. <laughs> so I I tried a couple of ways to to get my commission, but at the time, unfortunately, I had already gone to the point that you need to get age waivers. For the uh-huh. So my first couple options didn't work. And then finally, I got a call from from the Army Medical Department and they said, listen, we we cannot make you a second lieutenant, but we'll make you a first lieutenant. So they were going to promote me based on my education. So I said, let's do it. And um, it was in uh, 10 years ago that I got my commission, November, November 3rd, 2011. So I was very, very proud to do that and uh, became a an environmental science officer for the Army. So I, your story makes me happy, like on so many levels. And you've had all these different lives. And, you know, it, it, it's remarkable as a 
an immigrant, as a West Point grad, as an enlisted soldier, as a commissioned officer, as an academic, you've been a professor, you've been with us twice as a contractor. You keep reinventing yourself. And that makes me happy. Just I, you know, as a, as a stay-at-home dad, like all of there's just there's these great different roles that you've played and you've played them all really well and you've played them all really to not only great success, but great happiness, which always strikes me when I talk to you. Thank you. I, I do try to be very positive about things. I I have had many, many, many failures and uh, and a lot of, you know, starts and, and, you know, restarts and like you said, reinventing. But at the end of the day, I'm just I'm very happy to be here. I am, you know, I am a son of two two different countries that are great countries and with great people, and I'm very proud of that. And you know, when I when I was here, when I, when I first got here to the U.S. as a cadet, I just yeah fell fell in love with the country, and of course with Lara as well. But just the way that things were here in the U.S., we are so lucky. The level of freedom and the level of the ability to do so many things that sometimes it takes you know to come from for another place or to to leave for a little bit from the U.S. and come back and see how lucky we really are. So I do I do consider myself very, very lucky to be here. And, you know, I look at what I get paid to do from the army and, you know, I love it. I am essentially using my public health skills to to look at some things in epidemiology and environmental science, uh, which is which is really neat. Yeah. Yeah. You and I are both data geeks. So I you and I <laughs> kind of geek out together on, on data. Yeah. So. The other day, you and I were talking, and that's what led to this podcast. You're potentially reinventing yourself yet again, and that is pretty cool. You are thinking about it. I know you've officially started it, but thinking about really taking off and focusing on being a government contractor as your own business. Right. Yes. So talk to me about this. I or talk to I guess you and I already talked about it, but talk to our, our podcast listeners a little bit about what you're thinking and, and why you're thinking now and where you're going with all of this. Definitely. And one of one of the things that that I really have enjoyed is being able to help as a contractor for the DOD. Just because there there's so much more. Like right, it's it's a mission that is that is much greater. There's there's a clear a picture in my mind that by doing this we're supporting the the greater good for the for the nation so i um i believe that there's certain skills or abilities that i can actually apply to be able to support that mission and i've been doing it for a little bit i have been of course teaching the students in the military military level but i also feel that i need to start applying that as well so Looking into the future, the way that I see that would work the best would be by becoming a government contractor mm-hmm. and find some of those tools. My, one of my favorite things, of course, is is data analysis. Like you were saying, I love geeking out to to statistical analysis and simulation and things like that. So I believe that uh, with those that set of skills would be very useful to have for folks in the in the military and just applying it the same way that I have, like I said, taught it to to the, the students in the military setting. Right. Yeah. You were a professor at West Point, which I think was your at one point you said your dream job and it was a phenomenal one at that. So you were able to, to do that for a few years. I know. So you and I started talking about this and I, I thought it was a useful conversation for our listeners because 
you've been in government contracting, right? You've worked at least for us for a, in a couple of different iterations and you really like the mission. You really like kind of, and, and you've got a specific skill set in both the data analytics and the business process reengineering and then, you know, kind of lean six sigma type modifications that the government can, can make and certainly can really benefit from. So, you know, you've got this this skill set that, that we've leveraged to, to great success in the company, but you're thinking that this might be somewhere that you want to go on your own as a as a government contractor. So we talked a little bit about kind of your first steps. Can you tell us where you are right now in terms of and I, you know there's a lot of it that's not not really far yet, you know, right, but but you've done a couple of things already and then we can talk through kind yeah. of what what we think together the next steps should be. Definitely. So so one of the first things that we that we did thinking about this was for the future was to actually establish an, an LLC. So at that time when I started, I was not too sure what the what the mission was going to be, but and set it up. And I am a veteran, right? I've been been deployed. So the idea was to create a better known company that could actually provide that type of work for for government contracts. So that that was one of the one of the first things. The other thing that has been very helpful is actually to listen to the podcasts. And I can tell you, like just listening to uh, Small Business 101, I've actually listened to it several times because I think that that does really help to see where other folks have been mm-hmm. and just to see, you know, what uh, what we can expect. So that that has been uh, that has been very clear for me. The other thing that, that I've been trying to do, of course, is network with folks that might be in a, in a similar you know, similar type of, of work. I have a couple of friends here that do government locally. Uh, um, I mean, government work locally in San Antonio. Mm-hmm. I've been asking about the you know the type of contracts that they're doing, and uh, some of them do data analytics, some of them do systems engineering. So it's interesting to see where they are because they're also starting. Yeah. Um, but. The you know, next steps, of course, is going to be continue with with a little bit more in business development. It's going to be to listen to a lot more of the podcast to see <laughs> to see the next direction. But I'm really excited about this. I think it's going to be a good enterprise to to go into, and again to be able to provide something that is a little bit that is a little bit different, and, but also very useful for for government contracts. Yeah. No. And so I mean, you've got a couple of things going for you, right? Number one, you understand kind of how government works. You understand how the government contracting works and, and how contracts work, which is a massive barrier to, I think, a lot of people. Both of those are massive barriers to a lot of people. You've got the network within the government space to know who's doing what and having those having those connections and speaking the language and having the trust and the credibility there. You also very clearly with the immigrant story that you you bring to the table, have the ability to obtain 8A, which is, as we talk a lot about on the podcast, it's the easy button. It's not, it's not the panacea, right? Everyone is like, oh, great, I got an 8A. You know, here, give me my contracts. And so that's not what happens, right? It's not you get the 8A and then all these contracts kind of come out of the woodwork, but it is the it is the way to get to contracts when you have everything else in place and you're starting to put those things in place. There's a lot that you're going to have to put in place and it's kind of a chicken and egg thing sometimes 
in terms of what goes into place when, you know, you need the contacts, which you start, you, you have a lot of, and, and, you know, you have people who can help you get to, to others. You need kind of the knowledge of this. You need the shell of the company, certainly, which you have. And then you need the past performance. Although as a small business, you get to rely on your own past performance. So the stuff that you did, for example, for us, you can use as your own past performance as well. You need to, to, you're able to kind of take it and say, I, Jose, did this Skunk Works project with NAVSA. And while it is WWC's past performance, you as the principal in your brand new small firm can use that past performance by yourself, which is really nice and not something that everyone knows. So that was a GAO decision maybe 10 years ago or so that allows you to kind of bring along your own personal past performance instead of the corporate past performance to get your your feet in, you know, to get your foot in the door. So that's really, really helpful that you have all of those pieces. What you don't have, and we've talked a little bit about this, is number one, your facility clearance, which is one of the biggest barriers to entry, I think, in this industry and something that we as a as a government, you know, and and me putting my my kind of government policy hat on instead of my big bad government contractor who wants to keep everyone out of the the business so that I I I don't have any more competition. But me as a good public policy wonk, we've got to figure out how to get more people in with their facility clearances. It can't be this much of a barrier to entry because that is, I think, one of the things that I see really good firms that have the ability to do this struggle with because you need two positions as a subcontractor or as a prime contractor to sponsor this clearance and it takes forever and it's really difficult. And once you get once you get it, it becomes very easy and it becomes easier to, to kind of increase your, your level from a secret to a top secret, for example. But that first entry point becomes so hard and I see so many firms struggle with that. So that's one thing. And there are podcasts that we've done already about how to do that. There was one ingenious way, and I, I hesitate to say ingenious because Mike Groeschel is going to hear it and get an even bigger head than he has. But Mike Groeschel and IEX, who's one of my favorite people here in Tampa, has a great firm that he started a couple of years ago now. And he bought into a facility clearance. Essentially, he bought a firm that didn't have all that much in the way of past performance or was really struggling with kind of some of their operations, but had a facility clearance and brought contracts that he could bring to the table as options because of his his relationships, kind of all of the work that, that he had done beforehand and bought his way into a facility clearance, which I thought was a genius way of doing it. Most people can't do that. Most people don't do that. But it is one way of doing it. I mean, this this is one of the biggest barriers to entry. So we talked a little bit about kind of how to get you there. And then the past performance, right? Yes, you have your own personal past performance, but trying to figure out how to get that first contract, that first contract that gets you out of your professor role, which is a wonderful role, and you can stay in it and kind of do this on the side, but out of that professor role and into a direct charge role first, and then... How you get from the direct charge role 
to actually running your business instead of instead of working in the business, you're working on the business. So right. those are the kind of levels of things that that you're going to see yourself going through and those, you know, the barriers to entry and then those different cut points of your development as a firm. And so I'm really excited to kind of see, I'm almost excited to kind of follow you through and have you kind of check in with us fairly frequently and say, okay, now I got my first contract. I'm, you know, we are hopefully going to do some stuff with, because we do a lot in the business process reengineering and the data analytics world to be able to, instead of pulling you in as an employee, pull you in as a subcontractor, right? I'm right. thrilled to do that because it's great for us. It's great for you. And we can help you build that track record and that past performance as your firm instead of as you, Jose Jimenez. And I am very, very excited about that. The ability to actually have you and, and WWC essentially as mentors for this. I'm just very, very grateful because I have seen I have seen other companies that I have been formed. They had had issues with with that facility clearance. Actually, one of one of my friends uh, companies down here and. I have also seen the struggle of running a, a consultant firm directly. My my both my parents actually created their own their own firms down in Costa Rica. My dad actually had a contract with the U.S. government at the time, so it took a while to get through that. And there was a lot of there was a lot of struggles, a lot of great moments. So I was happy to to grow up seeing that. But now actually being the one doing this, it's a little bit uh, intimidating. But I'm very excited. I measure I'm I'm very positive about things, so I'm I'm looking forward to that. But uh, but I know there's going to be some some struggles. Hey, look, if there's not struggles, if it's not if it's not intense, then you're doing it wrong. <laughs> right. Out of respects, right? I mean, like I saw somebody. I'm trying to think of who, maybe on Facebook or on LinkedIn or something, where it was if somebody had asked, you know, something about you know other entrepreneurs and struggling and and they, their response was I don't really want to talk to any entrepreneurs who haven't struggled that's number one they'll make me angry but number two they're probably not very good entrepreneurs right you you have to have the struggles it's part of if, if this was an easy path everyone could do it and yeah. everyone cannot do this it is I have seen you work personally I've seen you work harder than almost anyone else I've seen in making things happen and getting things done, that is going to be a critical piece of your success. But it's also, I, I think the positivity is truly a piece of it. It's you're going to get smacked down so often that if you can't dust yourself off and go, okay, let's go again. Right. That I, but that's, I see you doing that. I see you every time turning around and going, you know, we, we've had some, let's call them tough, uh, situations or tough customers or tough stakeholders within both of the client offices that you had. I mean, there were, you know, again, you were you were working on change management. Change management is really, really, really hard, particularly right. in a very large bureaucracy. And like every time you got smacked down, it was, okay, what do we do now? Like, how do we do this again? How do we figure this out? Let's take another run at this. Let's run to the right instead of to the left. Let's go through the middle. I'm going to go over that barrier. I'm going to go under it. I'm going to somehow get around it. But that's entrepreneurship in and of itself. So all of the stuff that you've done or I've seen you do tells me that you're going to be more and more successful specifically because you have that mentality. I don't think you can be a pessimist and be a good entrepreneur. 
you might need pessimists behind you, right. but you can't be the one guiding the ship or else you're just going to get stuck multiple times. No, and, and I definitely think that that type of positivity does, you know, it is it is contagious. At least I have seen it with with you know, leaders like you and, and other leaders, too, in the Army. And I think is is very important. But like like you were saying, working in, in change management and being able to have that that credibility. Yeah. And initially, when they don't know you, you know, they don't they don't know anything that you can actually provide. So actually, for both contracts and for heck, any any of the other jobs that I've that I've done. It takes a little bit to get the credibility to see, you know, what you can actually provide, what it, what is the value added that you bring. I think the companies and the contracts that, uh, that work for, once they see it, things change and, and people start calling you in, you know, you know, on speed dial. So which is which is great. So I think that that is going to be one of the, the main things as well is gaining that credibility, being able to tell people what you can do and we, what you cannot do so yes. they they believe in you. Right. Yes. I, that's also a huge thing is don't fake what you can't do because you're going to get caught at it. So right. you're good at what you're good at. You know, we were we were pretty good at people were saying, hey, can you do this? And there were a lot of times when I was like, mm, sure. I mean, we started with, we started the company with a contract for anti-terrorism force protection. I don't think I knew what that was when we started it. But there was a piece of it that the the core of it was business process reengineering, right? It was analytics. It was figuring out the the structural barriers to doing something and whether or not they were problematic or not, and how to get around those structural barriers to to implementing good ideas. And I was like, hey, you know what? We I can do this. I've done this, you know, all day for the the last four or five years at the White House. The the subject matter is new to me, but I've got people around me that are really, really smart. So I I can figure out the subject matter. And and this is the core of what I do. So you don't fake all of it, certainly, but you can stretch a little bit. (laughs) You, You can say, okay, I can do I've done this in this area. I can, you know, I can kind of expand a little bit here. But in the long run, if you can't deliver more than what you promised, your credibility goes away and, and you're never going to get the next contract. So you might get that first contract, never going to get the next contract and the next contract after that. Right. Yes. And I can tell you my my very first job right out of West Point for a consultant firm for one of the of the big ones, the they put me in a contract for for HUD and I, you know, I, I knew nothing about about housing, and that was not not my area, but it was about data analysis. Mm-hmm. So even though it, you, they can put you in different different settings, I knew about data analysis, I knew about statistics, so I knew I could do metrics for them, and that was that was pretty pretty good. I did have to to teach myself a little bit of um, SQL at the time, <laughs> um, which was which was great. And then later on, I used that for my for my PhD. But yeah, it was it was very interesting to to also get to see a different organization that was doing kind of the same thing, but just you know it's a different flavor at it in a different location. So right, yeah, no, and that look being able to flex to whatever the needs are is is critical. And I think one of our first contracts, we had a Harvard trained lawyer who ended up doing a database for emergency management equipment which is one of my favorite stories because she had nothing, she had no idea what emergency management equipment was. I don't even think she understood what, what the equipment was when she first went in. And she certainly didn't know database development, 
but she's a Harvard trained lawyer, smart enough to do anything she needed to do. So she got an access for dummies book and came up with a relational database. Right. And so, you know, there are there are ways of stretching. But again, that credibility is going to be the the biggest thing that you that you need. So you at this point, you have not gotten you. You have a shell of a company that, that you put together kind of in anticipation of this. But you're brand new to this. You don't have any contracts, right? Correct. OK. So we're starting in on this journey, and I really, I'd like, I, I really am kind of thinking that we want to follow you along as you as you take this journey to see how you got your first contract, and then how you got your facility security clearance, and then how you got your first prime contract. Because I, I again, having seen a number of firms and having seen a lot of firms fail before they ever got their first contract, or after their first couple of contracts because they overpromised and underdelivered. I am confident in your ability to to make each of these leaps as as you go. And I'm I'm excited to watch you do it. But I think it might be really instructive for the podcast listeners to kind of see you do this from the ground up. So I think the first step that we've talked about is getting a subcontract. Right. Right. And using that first and foremost to leverage into a facility security clearance because that is the, the big issue. So you are an expert, and we've, we've leveraged your expertise in, in years past in both data analytics and change management, military, um, you've done some, some other civilian work as well. So you've got this set of expertise. And the way that we're talking about leveraging that is normally I would call you, which I have multiple times, and say, hey, Jose, do you want a SME contract for, can you come help us write this proposal and either, you know, I'll pay you hourly to, to write the proposal or come help us come back to, to WWC, come help us build this practice and then go run it for us. But instead of doing that this time, which we've done before with you, you know, I think you've written a couple of proposals for us over the years or been part of a couple of proposals over the years. Instead this time, what we've decided to do is, you're going to leverage your own time to build your own company. So you are going to be a subcontractor on our team for whichever we haven't identified which one yet. But for one of the next contracts that we would pull you in on as a subject matter expert, and instead of being paid out to do that, instead of doing it so that we can hire you into running that program for us, we're going to do that with you being a team member and getting some sort of work share along with that. And we will then sponsor you for your clearance through that program. So that's one way of leveraging into that first contract is really to, to, to get your experience and essentially loan yourself out to a large contractor, larger contractor on something competitive that they're doing. Right. Yes. So that's our first step, I think. And we are you're going to be working with our our business development staff to figure out what contract you're going to help us propose on so that you can have a few positions and that security clearance that opens up more doors for you. And then, you know, clearly because of the longstanding relationship and because we know how good you are, we're going to continue to leverage that and use you as 
a subcontractor of note for us, and you will continue to be kind of one of our our, our top choices for those subcontract roles. And then at some point that flips, right? You become, once you get your 8A status, for example, once you have your own kind of path forward as a prime contractor, once we see something that is SDVOSB set aside and we can't go after it, we will flip that over and you become the prime. And you don't always have to be working with us, but you know, because we have a really long-standing relationship, that first set of contracts oftentimes comes from one or a couple of firms kind of bringing you up, not, again, not for charity, not for, you know, right. hey, like, we're going to hand this over to you, but because you're bringing something to the table and because we see the potential for us as well as for you, and, and it's a win-win across the board. And I think that's the that's the key right there that we're by doing this, you know, I get to to bring something to help out also with the with the contracts that WWC has, and at the same time get to develop my own my own business. So I think, like you said, it's a win win. I'm I'm very excited and grateful for that because, as you said, that um, that long standing relationship is something that is that is so so important to have nowadays with with folks that you have worked with before in the past and uh, hopefully getting to to build some more bridges with with future contracts. Yeah. Yeah. So so stay tuned because I think we've got some some interesting paths forward with Jose. Jose, what is your do, do we have a name for I know you officially probably have a name. Do you have a formal name for your company yet? Yes, as uh, Equilibrium. Oh, I like that. <laughs> Naming a company is like one of the hardest things you could do, or you just do it by naming it after yourself, which is what we did, and and that drives its own set of problems. So I, I love equilibrium. That's awesome. So we will be following Jose through his path. You know, we are we are we did this this month partially because Jose and I had a great conversation about been kicking off and I think it was important for our listeners to hear, but partially because we are in the month of November, which is now the entire month instead of just Veterans Day is celebrating veterans and their contributions to our society and our country. So we are doing this in honor of of Veterans Month and we can't wait to see where you go. Thank you so much. 